You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. Uh, if you got your worksheet, we've got something there in back. Make sure everybody's got one. Uh, and we're going to look just a little bit more uh, t- tonight uh, on practical tips for parents. So what was really, I think, uh, kind of fun for um I talked with our gospel group leaders this afternoon, people who were leading in different sections, and I asked them, I said, do you guys know what is the hotbed of um, the origination location for people who've been visiting Rocky Creek as of late, okay? And um, almost every week this summer, I have met a new family that is either coming from one of two states in the United States of America. You ready for it? It's either New York or California, okay? There are so many families that I have met in the last few months that are fleeing a state to be able to say, I don't want to raise my kids in this kind of environment, and we're going here. And I'm like, what chose Greenville? They're like, ah, it's kind of, this looks like a good spot. Or they found a a homeschool co-op that they kind of connected with, or some other situation, and they're moving here. And uh, and a lot of what is going on in our culture today is that I believe that we are living in a time where uh, culture, society, government are telling parents, you don't have the best interest and you don't know the best thing for your kids. We do. Listen to us. When it relates to schooling or health care or ethics or morality, it's let's take that out of the parent's hand and let's put that back into the government's hands or something like this. And this is not some kind of anti-government thing that if you're expecting that. But it is to say that at the end of the day, um, nobody in this country is going to feel the responsibility to care for your kids other than you, right? And one day... Uh, there's no president. Uh, J- Joe Biden will not have to stand before God to explain how my three kids came out. That would be on me, you know. So at the end of the day, no, nobody is responsible for that other than myself. And so as, as we think through some practical tips here, um, due to many factors, many parents cannot find a healthy balance when it comes to discipline, right? We talked about kind of instruction and, and whatnot and what that looks like. Uh, unfortunately, we have a there is a need for healthy balance, but a lot of times we've seen people be in a very bad spot or a very too soft spot. And so scripture teaches that we cannot neglect the responsibility but must handle it with care. So as parents, it is our call and duty uh, to be able to show the type of right discipline as it comes from it. So Proverbs 10, 13 says it this way. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Okay, that's a beautiful, wonderful, encouraging verse. I know everybody wants to get on a t-shirt and hand it out at the next family reunion, right? But let's, let's look at what it is saying and what it's not saying. But on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. Have you ever thought about that person that's just so wise, you always go to them for instruction or, you know, just insight or, or tips or things that make you go, oh, this is helpful. A lot of times that we look for those people on the lips of him who has understanding, Wisdom is found. Um, there are people that are on the, um, I would say, the fast track of my calls when I'm going, I need to talk to so-and-so because something's happening. And I want that wisdom because I trust them. They've lived through life. They've gone through. One of the things that I see so desperately also that is needed, um, I believe that, that one of Satan's biggest attacks on anybody here tonight is to tell you you're the only person struggling with what you're struggling with. You know? So if you are a... 
empty nester and going, oh, I wish I could do this for my kids or my grandkids. And you go, I'm the only one who probably feels this way. Or if you're a single who says, I just wish that I could find somebody like this. You're the only person who thinks that way. Or you're a mom who goes, I'm exhausted and I don't know what to do. You're the only person who thinks that way. And that's not true. We come to and we find people that on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. One of the best things we'll ever hear is when we talk with someone and they say, and you say, oh, I'm just struggling in this area. And they give you the best news in the world. I did too. I used to be in that situation, and God got me through that. And, and God can get you through that. And so you start sharing wisdom that you have found through the years. But the second part of Proverbs ten thirteen says, But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Now this rod can mean a whole lot of different things, right? And really in this, this context, it doesn't necessarily even speak of a child, but saying, guess what? For the person who lacks sense, there's just consequences in life for them, right? Um, I have mentioned before different people that I have tried to counsel that have sometimes gotten so frustrated with God over things they did, right? Um, there's a guy who lost his job, who lost his wife, who got arrested, and he came to my office and said, I'm just so mad at God for doing all these things. I'm like, I'm sorry, what part did God do all these things that caused you to get arrested and caused you to lose your family and caused you to lose your job? That sounds like that's your responsibility, what you chose to do. I mean, now the consequences are there. And so a rod is for the back, discipline is for the back, consequences are for the back of the one who lacks sense. And so this is where the, the practical side of this that comes down. And, and I kind of briefly mentioned this uh, today in the sermon, but the parent pendulum. Um, one of the most characteristic things that I think that I see in the church is this takes place. You see something that is very, um, you feel like unhealthy in the church. And instead of coming back to a normal level, we swing the pendulum so far that we go into an unhealthy spot, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, years ago, when, um, so, so when like, a church planning movement took place, a lot of churches grew on the backs of criticizing other churches. Okay? So they would see these churches that were so stuck in traditionalism, and they were all in the robes, and they were in the pews. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to be shoom, this completely different. So we sing songs on the radio, and we look more like a club than we look like a church. And we're going to show you, right? Maybe that, that's an approach, or maybe there's just some things from the past that we need to learn from it and maybe adjust. Uh, it comes down to certain things in theology sometimes. People will see someone have, i give you a great example. Um, I know that in here, there are some of you that, uh, grew up in different denominations, maybe somebody that you're sitting next to, right? And we all come from different experience. And sometimes, uh, give you an example, sometimes people have seen churches that would do things in the name of the Holy Spirit, that you go, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if the Holy Spirit is supposed to make you leap over pews. or, or um, I, I heard one pastor who says, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll bark like a dog. I can't find that in Scripture, right? But some people will say that. Uh, I've seen some pastors say, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will laugh around or you'll be slain in the Spirit and you'll pass out on the altar. I can't find that in Scripture. And so what takes place is we say, ooh, that's wrong. So guess what we do? We fly over here and almost never mention the Holy Spirit. Never go to Scripture for what the, who the Holy Spirit is. And, and so with this... It is, it's seen so much, especially in the area of parenting, because most parents tend to be either too harsh or too lenient in disciplining their children. Most parents tend to be either, either one of two things, either too harsh or too lenient in disciplining their children. And typically, the way that we discipline the next generation, a lot of times, is a response into how we were disciplined. Okay? You saw this, you think it's wrong, and so instead of correcting and getting to the right spot, 
fly all the way over, right? So typically, if someone is too harsh, if they had parents who were too harsh, sometimes they will swing way too over and be too lenient, right? Out of, out of the fear of this. So let's look at the danger on either side of this. I, I gave this kind of example of what this looks like, but here's the parent pendulum, right? Here is, if you're too harsh, and kind of the, the mechanism right is that it goes all the way to the other side and you become too lenient. So too harsh would be, I'm always looking for when you step out of line and I'm going to fix you right and I'm going to address every single thing. But the other side of it is too lenient, whereas you get away with absolute everything, right? And anything that goes on and just too lenient and both of them are dangerous. And let me explain why. Scripture warns about being too harsh with children. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't do it. But discipline them, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Don't be too harsh with your children. Um, I imagine that because of this, you know, just statistically, right? Even though we're a smaller group than we typically are on this evening, there's a lot of people traveling, some people that are out sick. Here's what I know. There's some of us who grew up in a too harsh of an environment of a house. Okay? Too harsh. Um, it was, you didn't know what you were about to walk into. You could tell someone's upset. And we might all have to suffer the consequences of it. And you were nervous. That's not a healthy environment. It's not the way things are supposed to be. So scripture teaches, it really warns about being too harsh with children. Because if a child has grown up in a harsh home, guess what they typically will be? They'll be harsh. That, that's kind of the natural response. Hostile homes typically produce hostile children. Okay? Hostile homes. Arguments, fussing, fighting. Swatting, you name it, just everybody temperamental, everybody anger, outburst of anger, and typically these kind of situations can produce hostile children. Now, it also can pr produce sometimes very, I would say, docile children, right? Just scared and nervous all the time. But a lot of times um, you find that people who have aggression or anger or frustration in their life, they take it out on people they think they can take it out on and get away with it, Okay. So um, that's why some of you have a dog, right? Okay, you just sort of take, that's what, kick the dog, right? Okay, that's what you, um, there's a typical kind of response to how that can be. But a lot of times, a parent will take out frustration on their work, on their child, because the child can't take it back. Um, I was in a work situation years ago where um, there was somebody that was a peer of mine who was very frustrated at our boss. And they were fearful to speak to the boss or to push back against the boss so they were just ugly to everybody else that they were side by side with, right? Or that was beneath them. They couldn't take it up to authority, so therefore what they did, they just made everybody else's life miserable. And a lot of times you find angry people who will go and find somebody else to be angry with, and so a lot of times it's an easy target for parents just to be too harsh with the kids. What do the kids do? Well, if they're too fearful to push back, they're going to find somebody younger or smaller than them to take out all that aggression on. And that's why a lot of times, guess what? You go to the school system, if you find a bully, what do you typically find? There's a harsh parent that has taught that child, and that child has all this aggression. They can't work out, so they just find somebody else that they'll pick on with. And so that's why typically you find a bully is not someone who always goes after somebody their own size, but somebody beneath them that they can take it out on. It kind of produces this kind of pattern that just keeps moving down the line a little bit. Now, while there are dangers of being too harsh, being too lenient can be just as dangerous, okay? And I really do mean this. There are plenty of dangers of being too harsh, and there is a, a big, serious issue um, with that uh, that 
can be too harsh. Um, but being too lenient can be just as dangerous. So I have a friend who was um, moved to a town. He was a new pastor in town, kind of uh, a church that was very prominent. Uh, and he said when he moved there, getting his kids in school, all the different transition stuff that took place, um, he said that one day um, his, one of his kids was doing something disobedient, and he had warned the child over and over and over. And then at one point said that he was going to spank the child, just give him a pop on the rear end. Well, the child at the last minute moved. And so instead of getting the backside, he just got you know, part of the, the thigh there or something, whatever. Well, it left a handprint, supposedly, okay? This child kind of has sensitive skin or something like this. Well, anyway, this was back in the day. Y'all remember the, um, the breakaway pants or the, the craze, you know, the craze for a while there? Everybody was wearing them, whatever. So this young child is in school one day and he's got those kind of, you know, breakaway pants and, and it's kind of a little open there. And the teacher goes by and is like, oh, is there something on your leg? Is everything okay? And he goes, and he just breaks down. He's like, my daddy hit me. And so all of a sudden, here's a new pastor in town who's brought before the principal to say, are you abusing your child? He's like, actually, he just moves quick, okay? I was doing a very calm kind of discipline structure. He just moved too quick and things got a little, you know, whatever. And so I just thought, what a, he said, this is such an introduction to the community. Here's a new pastor. And all of a sudden, he's just too rough on his kids, right? And we're programmed to look for those situations of those parents who are too harsh, right? And, and there is a real nature that you, you see those situations and you want to address it. And so, a lot of times, um, people who are raised in harsh homes, they don't want to be looked at as the way that they looked at their kids. So they swing the pendulum too far and just let the kid get away with anything. Anything. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons that can be, but it can be just as dangerous. And here's why. If your children get away with everything, they will go through life thinking that the rules don't apply to them. They get away with everything in life. They will think that the rules, they don't apply to them. There's nothing in their life that can have anything to do that, can, that they have to listen to. And this is why it is so very dangerous. And let's talk about the influences around us because, depending upon this, there are things that kind of make us think differently about our lives. First off is parents, okay? So when you think about your parents growing up, they raised you in a certain way, right? So um, they disciplined you in a certain way. Um, there were certain things and tactics and methods that they would use, and you either learned from that, and when you got old enough, you said, I think that was right, or I'm going to respond and swing the pendulum in some different direction. Okay, at least make some adjustments. So when it comes to parents, typically you, the question is here, am I going to repeat or reject what they did? Am I going to repeat what the example they did in our home, or am I going to reject what they did and swing that pendulum to the opposite side? Many people discipline their children as a response to how their parents disciplined them. Okay? Make sense? So, if your parent was too harsh and you say, I'm either going to repeat that because that, that made me tough and that made me strong and I want my kids to be strong. That might be how it happened. Or you reject it and go, I don't want that at all. And you might swing it so hard. On the other end, I've known some adults who say, my parents let me get away with everything, and I got in so much trouble, I'm going to be more strict than what my parents were. And so once again, they either repeat that example or they reject it. And so we have to think through this. Second option is what culture does. Do I conform or condemn to what culture is telling me? Do I conform to what culture is saying, or do I condemn what culture is saying? Our culture ever increasingly displays greater animosity towards any type of parental authority or discipline. 
You were told you're not the end-all be-all. You're not the smartest. You're not the most uh, critical person in your child's life. Somebody else has to be that example. And so do I want to conform to what this culture is telling me or do I want to condemn it? Do I want to say, so, so here's the example. Uh, I think this was in Canada last year, or maybe in this year, earlier this year, that um, a eight-year-old child wanted to take um, a certain type of drug that would alter the gender uh, progression in their body, okay? And an eight-year-old child wanted to do that, and a parent said no. The child's not going to take any type of drugs that changes who they are from an identity gender stance. The government and the school got involved and the parent was put in very, I think was actually arrested and told they don't have the right to tell their eight-year-old what the eight-year-old can or cannot do. Now this is our next door neighbor, okay? Um, there are um, another situation. Uh, I heard a pastor say one time of a friend of here of his that went to school, and their ten-year-old child was getting an education as far as morality and gender and all that kind of aspect of of uh, children and family and whatnot. And in the ten-year-old education part of this, they were teaching young girls how you could make your boyfriend happy from a physical side. Parent comes in and says. I don't want my child learning any of that stuff from any person I don't know. First off, they're 10 years old. They're, they're 10 years old. They don't need to be thinking about this at all. And then even in the class, it was like, hey, you may be uh, physically like this, but you may be drawn towards this, and you need to have the freedom to whatever kind of stuff. And the parent got reprimanded for trying to bring that child out of that school so that that child would not be exposed to that type of education as a 10-year-old. Now, I, I say this to go, that's pure insanity, okay? This is absolute insanity to, at the end of the day, my kids have the right at age 18, whenever they leave the nest, to say, Dad's theology and life is completely backwards and stupid, and I want to do something else. They have that right. But when they're under my house, and I am paying their bills, and I'm giving them food, and I'm providing them shelter, they're going to do what I say. <laughs> There's going to be that, that responsibility that I have, and, and nobody else takes that away from me unless there's a situation where I'm endangering a child. Right now, some of the systems are actually endangering the children and keeping them, trying to keep the parents from having the insight in it. So our culture ever increasingly displaying greater animosity towards any type of parental authority or discipline for you to have the right and say so in your child's life. A third influence we have to watch out for is experiences, okay? Do I withdraw or do I withstand, okay? Do I withdraw from what's happening or do I withstand? And what I mean by that is uh, witnessing how other parents treat their children will encourage us to withdraw our convictions or withstand our principles. So, um, have you ever been in a situation where you are in the supermarket and you see a parent just discipline that child just out of nowhere? It seems hot, it seems angered, it seems bothered, and that child just seems shocked by it. And what will cause you to do is, um, if you don't want to be seen as that, you can almost go too far the other direction too and not discipline at all, right? You say, well, I don't want to be that. 
And you're going, exactly, you don't want to be that. You want to be a loving parent who a child, uh, someone said this way, you should never be surprised if you're fired, right? Okay, so what somebody said. It should never be like when you walk into your boss's office, oh, by the way, you're fired. It should never come as a surprise. You should have seen the warning signs. A child should never be disciplined by surprise. There should be a conversation, a talking, right? Sometimes what happens in experiences, we see how other parents treat their children and encourages us to either withdraw from what we think needs to be done or whatever, or we withstand our principles, now, the fourth category here is peers, and what that comes down to is such a hard challenge, especially as your kids get older, okay? Because do you emulate what other parents are doing, or do you endanger your own children? Emulate or endanger. So if you allow your children to pressure you into emulating their friends' carefree parents, you will ultimately endanger your children. And this is a big, big challenge uh, as, as far as I see it as parenting kids in the United States of America in 2021, Okay. And, and let me just flesh this out a little bit. Um, and I know this is going to be challenging because everybody's got different convictions, but at least where, where, where I'm, I'm from and where, where I'm sitting right now, I got two 13-year-olds, I got a 9-year-old. And I don't know if I want them to have complete freedom in everything that this world has to offer right now. And what does is when I say no to certain things, it puts them at a disadvantage because they look at, they're looked at as the weird kids who don't have phones at an early age, who don't go to certain things, who don't go in certain situations, who, who whatever it is, that I just have certain convictions. We do it as, as a, uh, my wife and I about um, silly things, right? But, but maybe you think this might be weird. I don't think that my kids need to be officially dating anybody if they can't drive anywhere. Okay, just a simple rule. I just because what takes place when like this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend. What are you doing? You can't even see each other unless I'm putting you together, right? You're just not ready for something like that, and you feel like now you're you're the weird parents if you kind of put those rules out there. If I say I don't want them to have technology devices, well, all their friends have devices, right? So when when I um, spoke at a youth camp about a month ago, and uh, we were at Ridgecrest, and uh, I let the boys check in a youth camp and nobody knew that they were my kids i said just just be a 13 year old kid just go to camp and you know whatever and if anybody talks bad about the camp pastor like oh no he really is boring just like go with it just you know get in and, and just whatever so nobody knew until the last day that my boys were even there you know i just kind of kept it quiet and and then the last day i was like hey these are my sons they've been here they've been my top secret spies for you or whatever they've, they've enjoyed it right we're getting ready to go to, uh be done with camp and this young girl comes up to one of my sons and was like hey what's your snapchat and he goes, I don't have a phone. And she's like, oh. Okay, well, bye. It was nice knowing you. And she walks off. And I was like, she's the reason you don't have a phone. Okay? I don't know who she is, but that little Jezebel right there, that's the reason why you don't have a phone because you don't need any girl looking like that coming to you, dressed in what she's dressed and going, can I Snapchat you later? The answer is no. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. No, 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 no. And, and I, I've seen as the crazy parent, but I also go... It may not be that I don't trust my kid. I may just not trust the environment. I, I don't trust the environment in some categories. And, and, and the reality is this. Um, you know, you can get spam stuff on your phone right now. Uh, I got, uh, I don't know why, but it seems like there's this new thing about text messaging. We've been getting text messages from banks that we don't have saying, your, your uh, debit card has been compromised. Please do this link. I'm like, I don't have a debit card with you folks, right? And you just, it's just a spam thing. There's spam stuff my wife got this morning. Okay, there's this number that says, hey, click here for what? It's just like, what in the world is going on? Like, this is the world that we live in. Now, you give that device to a child, 
right? And say, good luck. Good luck. Go to your room. No accountability, no whatever. And so for me, early on, uh, and you're going to think we're just completely fuddy-duddy, and that's completely fine. Uh, We have one TV in the house. It's in the family room. We have one computer in the house, and it's open in an open room where you have to kind of be in. We've got uh, the Internet turns off on that computer at like 9 o'clock at night. Um, those are the kind of things that, that we, we do. Um, and not because it's not I don't love my kids. It's actually because I, I do love them. And I know that there's dangers out there. Um, I want them to be able to experience things at the right time. But sometimes it, it's, it's like with dating or technology, I will look at my children and say this. Does dad want you to drive one day? Yes. Do you need to drive now? No. <laughs> you might be able to somewhat do some of the mechanics, but developmentally, you may not be at the place at age 9 or age 13 where you're ready to hit 385 or hit Woodruff Road for the sake of all of us, okay? Like, it's just you're not there yet. Doesn't mean I don't love you. It's a good desire, just not the right time. And so uh, to, to do that, uh, we, we, we some, I mean, I, I honestly, I'll feel like, gosh, am I just this parent that's just ridiculous um we read years ago uh and once again um just kind of a conviction of ours but we we just don't send our kids to other people's houses to stay for long times especially if we don't know them uh we've never done a spend the night party with anybody and that may sound crazy um but i just deal with people too much and i deal with counseling too much that I will find out of a lot of kids' exposure to stuff they never should have been at were at the house of a friend, and somebody had a device. And I have rules in my house, but at that house, there's a completely set of different rules. There might be an older sibling, or there might be somebody else that's living there. And at that point, I go, you know what? We can hang out, and y'all can hang out at my house, but there's just certain rules. And you go, are you not? And and it comes back to that funnel thing, right? The, the, The funnel thing for this morning, but like... This is the picture of, like, you don't give full-on, like, rights and responsibilities early on and when they're not ready, but you go, okay, let me give you those progressively as it happens. Um, I praise God. I, I mean, I really do mean this. I am so old that I didn't have a, a cell phone or a computer when I went to college. That's how old I am, okay? Maybe I, No, no, no. I had a cell phone my sophomore year. I had a computer my senior year. Some of you go, how did you do it? I don't know. I really, I go back, I, I don't, I borrowed a friend's computer to write my papers, but I didn't have internet just sitting there all the time. Praise be to God. I didn't have Facebook at the time. I didn't, I, there, there's always things that I go, there's challenges that, that would happen. And, and so with this, there's kind of this level that I feel like um, parents feel this pressure to be able to send their kids to whatever trip they want to send with, to get whatever device they want to get with. And I go, I don't want my kids to feel like they're the one that's left out, but I also don't want to endanger them either. And so I... Um, there are certain places and certain times when we even minister to people that are close to us that if, if I'm just being straight with you, I will say I love these people, but also I keep my eyes on my daughter in the middle of it too. That's just the world that we live in now. And so at that level, there is some type of where, yeah, I can, I can emulate what everybody else is doing, but in, in deep down I can endanger. And so I just know this, I'm responsible to God for how I raise my kids, nobody else. And so at the end of the day, I have to live with that. So... With, with that nature, don't be so, when you see, here, here's the parent pendulum, right? Here, here are these four different areas that can swing the pendulum for different reasons. Parents, culture, experiences, or peers. But don't be so turned off by one negative form of parenting that you overcompensate and commit a different type of damage to your children. So whether it's in parents, culture, experiences, peers, 
too harsh, too lenient. Be careful that you don't see something negative and that you steer so far away that you actually do something just as damaging, just as a different flavor. Does that make sense? So, so as you process through that, you go, okay, I want to make sure that I do the right thing. Now, if we look on the back side, I'll give you this, this thing really quick before we go tonight, but the parent progression and what this looks like. Um, like the funnel, I don't know where I heard this first. I would give credit to somebody, but I have no clue where it came from. It's just good, and I memorized it. And, uh, and I, So I, I wish this was something I came up with, but I didn't. But if you fail to realize the change in responsibilities during your stages of parenting, you will become exhausted, and your children will become resentful. So there's different places in life where you have to parent your kids in a different type of way. And it should change as the years go on. If it doesn't change, you're going to get exhausted and your children are going to resent you and they're going to be a little bit of a struggle. So in these five kind of stages of life, here's what it says is, is a good example. Once again, I'm not sure who came up with it, uh, but let me talk with it as far as start off with preschoolers. Okay, Preschoolers need parents to serve as commanders. Okay. Here's the commanders. Uh, when you think of a commander, it's the person who gives the marching orders, right? This is what you do. You fall in line. Uh, when I say jump, you say what? How high? Okay, that's kind of the idea. That um, Now you go, wow, that sounds like a really fun home to grow up in, Trav. Uh, but what I, I don't mean that you're like this overarching person, but folks, preschoolers you have to kind of stay on, right? Don't do this. Don't put your finger in the electrical socket. Don't eat anything that you find on the floor. Like, you know, just, you, you have to, you give a lot of commands, a lot of instructions, a lot of teaching, because everything is absolutely new. Everything is brand new, going in different directions, and you have to be able to command them at some level. At this stage, these children need to know rules, authorities, and consequences clearly and repeatedly. So for a preschooler, they need to know there are rules in life, and there are authorities who give those rules, and there are consequences that we want you to give clearly to you and that sometimes we have to give repeatedly because repetition is important sometimes. So for preschoolers, uh, there is a simple thing that you just continually over and over tell them. I can remember telling Obadiah when he was a preschooler, I was like, hey, I know that you think you're the boss, but you're not the boss. Daddy's the boss. And he looked at me and goes, daddy's not the boss. I said, oh, really? Then who is? He's like, mommy, she's the boss. I was like, okay, little man. Uh, I know you think that, right? Okay, but, but we're, we're both. We're the, both the boss. We're, we're both the authorities here. You need to listen to us. But here he was pushing back on who's in charge, and he needed to know early on, mom and dad are in, in charge. They're the boss. Uh, they've got my best interest in mind, and so I'll listen to them. When they get a little older, get more of the elementary age children, here's where it's got to change a little bit. Children need parents to serve as coaches. They don't need commanders anymore. They need coaches. Now, all of us probably had good coaches, and some of us had some bad coaches. But a coach is obviously giving instructions, but where is the coach positioned on a football game uh, when the game's going on? Where are they? On the sidelines, right? And there, um, if you had that coach, there are those coaches that you are very concerned about because they're so excited, they're so engaged, they might as well be playing, right? I think a few years ago, I remember seeing uh, – Brett Venables in the middle of a game where he's so excited, he's just so passionate, you feel like he can run out right now and clobber anybody out there on, on the field who's 30 years younger than him. I remember one time he got so excited, I remember him grab his chest at one point. I'm like, he's going to have a heart attack right here. He's so engaged. He, he's so passionate about it. He's, he's on the sideline. He's jumping up and down. He's, he's running with the team. He's, he's, he's celebrating when they do good. And when they didn't do so good, guess what he's doing? He's like, all right, come on. We've got a few minutes here. We've got to regroup and we've got to talk. And, and so children at this age – 
they, they still need instructions. They need a guide. But you have to start giving a little bit more. You're coming off a little bit on the sideline a little bit here and saying, all right, I'm going to give you some opportunities here. I'm not going to catch you every time you fall if I've told you not to jump off from there. You're going to have to feel this one a little bit. And I'm going I'm to step in and I'm going to talk to you afterwards. But instead of a commander, they, they need a coach. So instead of just delivering commands, you now begin to serve on the sidelines, celebrating successes and coaching through setbacks. So this is where it, it transitions for you that you start saying, okay, I'm, I'm on the sideline and I'm celebrating the successes that what's going on. Look what you did. That's so awesome. But it's also coaching through setbacks. Okay, so you made a mistake there. Now, what do we need to do as a result? Because guess what? We're going to get back on the field in a little bit, and I want to give you all the opportunity you can to serve there, to be that type of coach in their life. Now, when they become uh, teenagers, it changes a little bit. The students, what we want to call teenagers in this, students need parents to serve as counselors, right? Teenagers go, oh gosh. right? No, okay. what, what does a counselor mean? It, it means that it's not someone who's necessarily barking all the orders all the time, but it's someone who takes a little bit of a different role in those teenage years because teenagers start to process not only what they do, but how they do it and why they do it and how they feel and react and respond in the middle of it. And so now, if you just serve as a commander or just as a coach, guess what? The teenagers start pushing back a little bit because they're going, you're not listening to me. I know you have the authority to tell me what to do, but I wish you would just, just talk to me, right? Hear me out just a little bit. And a lot of teenagers get frustrated because parents still serving as a commander or as a coach. Now, once again, parents have the right to, sure. But now what you're wanting to do, um, Alex Kendrick always said this way, that when, you want to make sure that you're winning your child's heart at every stage of parenting. I want, I, want to, I want to have you like, I want you to want this relationship with me. So in addition to providing the rules, you must begin to engage with their emotions and explain more why you do what you do. So... Um, I think that as a parent, I guess I have the right to say, do this. Why? Because I said so. I guess I do have that right. But when they get to the teenage years, that answer just doesn't sit so well anymore. They, they kind of need a little bit more than, well, I'm bigger than you. I pay the bills. It's more like, let's talk while let's reason together. And so this is challenging, especially if you've served as commander for so long and coaches so long and go, okay, now let me explain myself a little bit. And so sometimes my teenage boys will sometimes even connect the dots. They're like, so are we not doing this because of this, 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 this? I'm going, okay, good thinking. Let's unpack that a little bit more. And let, let me show you not only the reason why we're going to do this or not do this, but let's, let's talk about the reason why. Some of the best learning experiences are in the heat of a moment where you have seen something done wrong and you go, let's step back and let's talk about why that just happened. Let's, let's just let's unpack it here for a little bit. Not burdening anybody, not rubbing anybody's nose in their mistakes, but let, let's talk about what happens here. And so um, I believe that a lot of teenagers are wanting to be heard. They, they still, okay, I, I know and I want to listen, but I just I need you to hear me at least say this. And so at some level, like I, I want to be able to tell my kids, in those teenage years to say, at the end of the day, you're still going to may have to do what I say, but I want to give you the right to let me explain my heart here. And I want to hear your heart. And we can engage a little bit, but at the end of the day, you've got to trust me that if I see something as dangerous, you've got to know that I have your best interests in heart. Even if you disagree with the outcome, um, we're going to go with that. And so in a certain situation, even, even recently with the boys, they were talking about something, and I said, 
let's talk about it. You can reason with me, but at the end of the day, I got to make the call, not based on what I want to do, but what's based for you. You got to trust me uh, with this. I was talking to a dad uh, just this weekend who said, I told my 15 year old son, Son, we've done really good so far. If you just trust me and stay with me, okay? I'm not going to lead you astray, but, but, but they're having that more of an interaction like a counselor. Let, let's talk through this. When they get to collegiates, right, uh, now they're going home. Uh, they're they're on, on their own maybe in some ways, whether it's schooling or schedule, uh, maybe getting ready to move out or they have moved out or maybe they've somewhat moved out, but they come back when just they need laundry done, right? I'll call, yeah, I remember in college, it's like, yeah, I need to come home. Why? Because uh, I haven't done laundry in a couple months and it's kind of, Febreze can only do so much, right? Okay. Uh, I can remember my freshman year of college and my, um, Amanda and I were dating at the time and she said, oh, well, uh, something about the laundry. And she said, uh, would oh, did you bring your sheets home? And I was like, for what? And she's like, oh my gosh, okay? Like, and I was like, it was probably, I don't know, November. Uh, but you know, there's the things that you just, in collegiates, you're starting to learn a little independence, do your own thing. And, and so when it comes to parents, here's what was changed. Collegiates need parents to serve as consultants, okay? I know this doesn't break down in every single situation, but this is a helpful way to think through it. Collegiates need parents to serve as consultants. What, do, what does a consultant do? They come and help when they're what? When they're asked. This is the big, because as a parent, I've served as a commander, as a coach, as a counselor. Now you want me to step back, and yet this is what I realize. If I think through um, my growing up, uh, my two parents, my wife's two parents, so, so my parents, my in-laws, whatever, I have learned through our family and through almost every other family that I asked to, that typically when people get to college age and beyond, they go to the parents who step back a little bit more than the ones who want to be on top all the time. Just always does. So, so what happens is, if I'm always, have you done this, have you done this, have you done this? They, they back off. But the parents who give them a little bit of space, they'll say, hey, can I ask you a question? What do you think I should do about this? They're, they're wanting a consultant. They, for most of them, they go, I haven't figured all this stuff out yet. I do want help. But a lot of times they'll push back against the parent who's still serving as a commander in that stage. So parents are meant to lead their children to independence. So parents should intentionally provide space so a college-age child can actually ask for help. Um, I think every parent here would know that at that age, you would want your child to say, I respect you and your decision-making and your thought process. I'm going to come to you and say, what do you think that I should do? What do you think I should major in? How do you think I should spend my money? What do you think I should do for summer? And a parent would say, oh, I got plenty of ideas. But everybody here knows that when you are working towards independence, right? When you are told what to do rather than you ask for help, it's a different dynamic. So um, I tell every freshman class that I ever, when I did college ministry all the time, every freshman class come the last Bible study in December. I said, let me just tell you what's about to happen in your home if you don't are not aware of it. You're going to have a conflict when you go home for this semester. And they're like, what do you mean? I have a great relationship with my parents. I know. But for the last four months, you have come and gone whenever you wanted to. You woke up when you wanted to. You hung out as long as you wanted to. You did your laundry. You did your room. And you're going to come back home for about four weeks. And all of a sudden, one day, you're going to go out with your friends. And your parents are going to say, what time are you going to come in? And you're going to go, what? 
whatever time I want to come in. I've been coming in at whatever time I wanted to the last four months. Yeah, I know, but you're back in the house for a few weeks, right? Well, have you done such and such? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I've been doing this all independently, and that push is happening, right? You're, you're wanting them to go independently, but you're still like, uh, I'm still living here, and I still do laundry here, and they're still paying the cell phone bills. Uh, how, how do I find this? And deep down in this place, what, want, what needs to happen is, at this stage, they're actually asking for help, which leads us to the final category, adults, where adult children need parents to serve as colleagues, okay? This word obviously can be used and thought of in a lot of different ways. Um, it's never like um, in a disrespectful way, but I think the healthiest form of a, if it's a 30-year-old child and a 60-year-old parent, is that it's not the parent talking down to the child or expecting that that grown child is going to mess up or blow everything up, but it's almost like, so tell me how's everything going with the family? You know, there, there's, there's almost a sense of respect of, I value you as an adult, and I trust you, and I trust your decision-making. Uh, if you saw the movie Courageous, one of the most powerful scenes in it was one of the guys asked his friends, and says, so when did you become a man? And they're like, what do you mean? And one guy says, well, my dad said that I was. <laughs> that a dad said, I see you and treat you as a man now. You have... you you." You have earned independence, and I'm going to treat you basically as a, as a colleague now. Now, y'all know this about colleagues. Do you ask colleagues for help? Yeah. Share life together, do things, say, let me show you this, whatever. Um, I think that that's one of the most powerful places of parenting. I can remember one of the most powerful places of parenting for me was when uh, I told our parents about a decision we were making, and one of our parents looked at me and said, I have red flags that come up. But ever since you've been an adult, you make wise decisions, and so I trust you. As a young adult, that was one of the most freeing, empowering, powerful moments in my life. Where the parent says, you know what? I got concerns, but I trust you, and you make wise decisions, and you try to follow God. So I'll trust you and tell me how I can help. And that's, one of the, that's I think, such a goal to get to. Um, if you still treat your child as a child, he or she will inevitably push back from you. So if they're adults and you still treat them like a child, guess what? They are not going to come back and say, Mom, will you help? Dad, I want you. It's going to be just pushback, pushback, pushback. So if you still treat your child as a child, as a young child who cannot do what they need to do, then they're going to inevitably push back, and you're going to want a closer relationship, and you don't know why it seems like it's, it's widening, and this is the reason why it's widening, because you're pushing too much. And so you have to find this balance. Now, you guys see this, right, that if your child is, a, is an adult and you treat them as a, or you serve as the commander, there's a war coming. If that's a preschooler and you treat them as a consultant, guess what? They're going to be a terror for the rest of their life. So it's finding that right balance at the right time. So the parent perspective, these are the three questions I would ask you to consider in your situation. What stages are your children in currently? Okay, where is it preschooler, children, student, collegiate, adult? Do they need a commander, a coach, a counselor, a consultant, or a colleague? What are the greatest needs in their lives right now? So, so what is it that needs to be shaped and where they are and, and what are those things that I need? So even for those that be like empty nesters, you still have a role in your kids' lives. You play a big role. Uh, just it's different than what it's used to be. And how do you think you can best help them? So what does that look like as far as you see where they are and how old they are and how old you are and what your life is and go, okay, if that's the goal though, what can I do to help them get there? 
for the glory of God and for the good of their family. So let's pray. Father, I just do pray that uh, today as we open up your word and to think through uh, how the the wisdom comes on the lips of those who, who follow you and, and try to follow your path, God, that I just pray above all else that as families we would seek to do things your way. Uh, and so um, I know this at the stage of parenting that I'm in, that my kids need different things, but I'm called to be their parent for the rest of their lives. It's just going to look different at different points. And so, Lord, pray that I don't respond or overreact to anything that I've seen before me or beside me uh, in my life. But I just go and find your method of raising these precious kids that you've given me. Help me shepherd them well, lead them well, guide them well, um, so that they can glorify you through their lives. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you. We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.